0: Hi, this is Sue Painter with The Confident Marketer. You can find my website at www.confidentmarketer.com. This is one of my series of interviewing successful entrepreneurs who have been in business at least five years. And I picked that five-year mark because I know that at the five-year mark, you are here to stay. You know what it takes to keep your business going, and you probably have suffered through some growth pangs and have some really good tips to offer other people. And today is actually my very first interview of this Happy Fifth Anniversary series, and my interviewee is Mary Ellen Miller, also known as Marketing Mill. You can find her website at www marketingmail.com, that's marketingmail.com, and Mary Ellen, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, thank you, Sue. It's my pleasure to be here with you.
0: I am so excited to have you, and I want to let people know just a little bit about you before we get down to the nitty-gritty questions. I've got all these questions lined up to ask Mary Ellen about her business and what have been some of her biggest successes and challenges. But first, I want you to know that she is the founder and CEO of Marketing Mail, and Marketing Mail is a creative firm offering innovative marketing, public relations, and social media strategies to business professionals. Before launching her firm in February of 2009, Mail was the marketing director for an interactive digital agency. She holds a BS in communications from Cornell University and an MBA from East Tennessee State University. And Mel is a lifelong professional communicator. In addition to her position as owning her PR firm, she has worked as a TV anchorwoman, an ad agency co founder, a corporate spokesperson, a university development officer and a law, a law firm, marketing director, and a magazine editor. So she's got such a breadth of experience to bring to the PR table, and that's why I'm so excited to have her here today. I first got to know Mel, gosh, Mel, what, three or four years ago anyway, I guess.
1: Yes, we've been in the same tribe. We, we, When you read someone's writing every week, you really get to know them well, too. So I feel like I've known you quite well over the years.
0: That's right. Mel lives up in East Tennessee, and I used to live in East Tennessee. I no longer do, but we kind of were in the same geographical area. But with with today's communication, not that it matters because I work with people from everywhere, and I'm sure Mel does too. So, well, Mel, are you ready for my questions about what it takes to stay in business for five years? I'd love to
1: chat about it. I'm excited that I've turned five with the business, and so I'm very eager to speak with you about uh, some of the smart moves and some of the pitfalls.
0: Okay, cool. Okay, well, I'm going to start out with what I hope will be a pretty easy question. I want to know, what is the one thing that you most attribute your longevity in business to?
1: I thought about this question because you did give me a few in advance, and honestly, I would say that it's my stick to it I had a professor in MBA school named Dr. Andy Zookery, a wonderful, wonderful man. He actually taught me entrepreneurship and project management. And he said an entrepreneur would rather work 80 hours a week for himself than 40 hours for someone else. Would you agree with that, Sue?
0: Oh, I absolutely would agree with that, yes.
1: And based on that, I have found that to be so true now that I've been in business five years. I work like crazy. (laughs) Um, I work very long hours. You work at night. You work early in the morning. But the flip side of that is I have an 11-year-old son, and when I need to have some flexibility to go to a school program or something like that, I can do it, and I don't have to ask anyone else's permission. So definitely the number one thing would be you have to have, for lack of a better word, but actually I think it's a good description, stick to You've got to be willing to really go at it and be self-disciplined about it. Some people, especially when you're starting out out of your home office, you know, people can be distracted with the laundry or this or that. One of the things I tell them is have a separate room with its own door that you can go in and close yourself off, and you are at the office. You are at work. I even put on makeup and jewelry and, and look nice when I go into that room because I want to have that professional image. As you know, I do a lot on personal branding, and I'm always aware of my own personal brand, and and that is how others perceive you in the marketplace, whether it be digitally or in person. And when you're starting out, inevitably you're going to be at home a a little bit no matter what, even if you go and and get a co-op type office, which is something I've also been uh, privy to in in a wonderful way. I have a shared office type space with a um, a community leader here that is involved in nonprofit communication, and they have space that I – rent out or give them a monthly contribution actually and then i use it on a space as needed basis so that is also very beneficial it gets me out and back out among other business professionals and when i have to meet clients i found very quickly you can't always meet them like panera brad (laughs) sometimes you have to have a more (laughs) professional atmosphere so and you don't want to bring them into your house either so it just works out well but uh, you definitely want to stick to it and you want to have tremendous self-discipline in whatever you're doing, whether it's going into your home office or whether it's your social media. You have to be disciplined about how you use that and the time you spend on that. Or the next thing you know, you could find three hours wiped out on your, on Facebook. So you have to be very I... judicious about how you use your time. Um, gosh, I could really go way past the one tip, <laughs> but I know you want to answer more <laughs> <right> questions. <laughs>
0: well, you you know, I agree about the stick-to-itiveness, Though I have always said, I, I mean, I've written blog posts about this before that. I don't really have anything to bring to the table that a lot of other people don't have to bring to the table, but what I do have is follow-through. And I will follow through and I will be consistent. And sometimes that is really the difference between whether you end up working with a client or whether you don't end up working with a client. So I like that stick-to-itiveness that you're talking about. And it sounds like one of the things I was going to ask you is a piece of advice you would give to someone who is just starting out. And I do love your idea that, Even no matter where you're working, and especially if you're working at home, you do have to block out periods of time where you are, quote, at work, and you go in and shut the door, and you do not let the laundry or the kids or the barking dog or anything else really bother you. You have to pretend like you're away at an office somewhere. Do you have other tips for people who are just starting out?
1: Yes, I have a tip for the very first thing to do, and that is here in Tennessee we have what's called the Tennessee Small Business Development Center, and it's funded by the state, and they are a wonderful resource for entrepreneurs starting out, and I'm sure that every state has something very similar. You can probably find it through your local university for those who are listening to this. It would be a small business development center, and those places are so full of fantastic resources, and the first thing I did, even though I had my MBA, I went over to that place and sat down and took their business plan writing class, and the reason is that forced me to, to sit down for two or three hours in a class and actually write out my business plan when I was first beginning, and ever since then, I work on a strategic plan every year, which is really kind of a follow-on to that initial business plan that you write down. and and. Weekly, I look back at my strategic business plan. I actually do it every Thursday morning. So I did that this morning when before we talked and it kind of helps you look at a roadmap that you've created for yourself so that every week you can look back and say, Oh, okay. I'm a little off course here. I'm a little on course here. Believe it or not, as part of my strategic plan, I have not just financial, but I also have spiritual and physical goals. So for this year, I love to run, Sue. So I wanted to get back to running 10 K's and I'm actually right on task to run a 10K this coming weekend, and that is part of my overall strategic plan because you're not just a business person. You're a whole person, and I think you have to look at yourself in in the whole. And definitely you want to write down your plan, and that will help you um, in just all your overall goal settings. But have that initial plan written down and then follow up with it yearly with your strategic plan.
0: I really like that idea. I have often um, taught to my own clients that you really – I don't like the term balanced life. I like the term blended life because I think when you're a business owner, you do blend. What you do personally is kind of seamless into your business and vice versa. So it makes sense to me to have personal goals like running or walking or going to exercise or and, and spiritual goals actually into – a strategic plan for you. It's really a strategic plan for you and and your business is a part of that. So that makes really great sense to me, and I I love that you put all of that in there. Um, and, And one of the things I teach people is when they do a business plan, I make them put in the names and phone numbers of three people who they can always go to when they're feeling like it's not working or they're down or they have an issue that, you know, somebody who they feel will have their back and be supportive. So that's something that I like to see built into business plans as well. And I really that, love that tip, so thank you for that.
1: I really like that idea of the names and numbers of three people who will support you. I actually just last year created a board of advisors, too. That was probably ah. one of the smartest things I've ever done in business. And it's three men and three women. And we meet quarterly. We just had a meeting two weeks ago, and you would be amazed. It's like you have your own little brain trust that way. <laughs> I mean, you wow, can do the big great. companies have their advisors, right? Why shouldn't you? <laughs> and I'm, yep. I'm in the fortunate position that, as you've mentioned, I've been a career communicator. I'm well known in, in the region as far as being a professional communicator. And so I have this wonderful access to these fantastic people who are really, really smart in their fields. Just by coincidence, at this at this meeting, for example, we had a leader in education, a leader in government, and a leader in healthcare. Oh, and a leader in nonprofit, all sitting there at the table, <laughs> providing wow. me with advice. I mean, how fortunate am I? <laughs> and then yeah, I also have, I um, yeah, I have another uh, professor who's in advertising, and a man who was a radio man. He had uh, founded the radio station here who couldn't make it that day, I find that four out of six advisors at any one meeting is a great turnout, and that's typically what I get. But then I'll typically take them one-on-one to lunch or something if I miss them at the the full meeting. And it's been a wonderful resource, and they give me some really good ideas that then pursue, and then I report back to them. And I also provide them with a highlight sheet. Like I gave them a highlight sheet of everything that I had done in January and February this year so they could see all the – all the things going on in the business. Very helpful,
0: very helpful to have a board of advisors. That's really cool, and it also, I can see, serves toward a little bit of of accountability. Um, And, you know, I think that that is one of the – I mean, I can hear in your voice and in your energy you just are a person who is so vested in making sure that your business grows and runs. And one of the questions I have for you is I, I can imagine that you, like me, have been at the place where you've been in business for a year or so, and you're making it, you know, you're making it okay, you're paying your bills, um, but you really know that in order to be successful, you're going to have to build it bigger. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear any story that you have to tell about or advice that you have for someone who is kind of at that stuck place of, I can't keep going the way I'm going or I'm really never going to get off the gerbil wheel. I have to take steps to look at myself as a business owner of a much bigger business.
1: Yes, and one of those things was certainly creating the Board of Advisors. Because then I started looking at myself like, hey, I'm a business. I need an advisory board like others do. But one thing was really the realization that you can't do it all. I think that every entrepreneur, when they start out, first of all, I would advise them to read Michael Gerber's The E-Myth. If anyone listening to this has not read The E-Myth, they need to read it. Because it really shows you how life as an entrepreneur works. But one of the things that you do is you think you can do it all. I think everybody thinks that when they start out, oh, I can do it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you talked about that in the book, but you quickly realize you can't. And so you need to team up with other minds. In our case, you and I have been for several years in what's called the tribe. I, I, I think perhaps Jeff Jordan coined that phrase, but it's basically a group of others who are willing to support one another, who will read and comment on each other's blogs, who will help publicize the other person. Because we truly are vested and believe in the other people in the tribe, that's one example of how you find others to support, and that's virtually. I have definitely found colleagues through Twitter in particular. I teamed up with a woman named Maria Piegler of socialmediaonlineclasses.com, and she and I created a webinar. We created infographics all about personal branding because she also has a strong interest in personal branding, and that in turn led to me being asked to Speak in Atlanta at the first ever solo PR conference last year. So you never know where these things lead to. I know my husband's very strict about the finance and the books and everything. And then I say to him, Well, honey, okay, Marie and I maybe didn't make a million dollars on the product we created, but hey, it led to speaking engagements. It does lead to other things. I've never felt that I've wasted time on any creative venture um, that I've taken. The other thing that's been hugely important for me and is really a pillar of my business too is mentoring the next generation. I just think it is so important to bring the upcoming generation of public relations professionals along. And as such, I've had an intern ever since I started the business. I actually have had them in prior uh, work positions as well. But since I started marketing now, I've had an intern out of the public relations department at East Tennessee State University. I have them stay one complete academic year with me. I don't do it just by the semester because – what I do, once they get involved with it, they really need to get a good understanding. So I have them commit to the whole year. And one actually was here a year and a half. And just being with those fresh young minds and their energy level is terrific for me, but also vice versa. Through me, they're meeting a lot of people. They're learning the lingo and, and hearing what's going on and the latest things that are going on in the profession. So I have found that teaming with the interns is important. And then actually I have a girl working with me, uh, a recent graduate who actually works with me part time as well. And I, I plan to give back. I think giving back is so important and I'm actually going to start a scholarship at the university to help them out with some books and things because I don't know, I'm just a big, big believer in, in education and, and in bringing along the next generation. So that would be another tip. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, well you know, I what I like about and what I want people to notice about your business is that you look upward to your to your board of advisors, to people who are very experienced in business and who have been in business longer than your 5 years, but at the same time you reach down to people who are just starting out and who can who can work with you and really learn and get invaluable experience. So you're kind of doing a 360 degree look at People both uh quote above and below you, so to speak, in terms of experience, and that's really i've I've really not i'm going through my mind, I don't think I know anybody else um who owns their own business who does both of those things, and so my hat is off to you I think that's a wonderful idea um and you know that thing about realizing that you can't do it all, It is certainly key. I work with people all the time who really are afraid to delegate and have those perfectionistic tendencies, and I just tell them, you know, if you don't get past that, you really will keep your business very small. So that's a great piece of advice. Now, what I'm wondering is, are you, can you think of a big mistake that you made in your business sometime in the past five years, and how did you overcome it?
1: Well, I can definitely share a big mistake that I hope others won't do, and that was a reliance on third-party hosts, and by that, I'll give you a little uh detail to that, and that is, my background is as a television and radio broadcaster. That was my initial, when I came out of school, I initially worked in upstate New York briefly, and then that's what brought me to Tennessee. I was the anchorwoman at the CBS affiliate here up in northeast Tennessee, and As as a result, when I started my own business, it was very easy for me to go to the local TV station where I used to work and say, hey, why don't I create a series for you about social media? This is back when I started uh, really getting my feet wet in social media in 2008, and I started my business in early 2009, and I was finding that the TV station was coming to me to interview me. Hey, tell us about Twitter. Tell us about Facebook. Well, that was when I came up with this series idea. So I created a series, and it actually aired on the regular evening news called Social Media 101. They got me for free labor, someone who knew what she was doing, and I got the exposure yep. of being on the news for my business, so it was really a win-win. Well, what I did, Sue, that was such a major error, and I never dreamed this would happen, instead of taking that TV series and uploading it over to my own YouTube channel, I allowed it to remain on the server of the TV station, which that means I was relying on a third-party host. I wasn't putting it over on my own site. Well, you would never think the TV station server would go down, would you? You would never think you would lose that series, would you? I didn't. I really didn't. To me, that was like, you know, the New York Times going down or something. I just didn't think it would happen. Well, it did. They were bought out, and something happened that they are unable to, To locate that series, I I had it connected to my website, and I went on my website one day, and I'm like, why is this black? Why isn't this going from, you know, seeing me on TV? Well, I found out. And even though I have the exact dates and everything, they seem to be unable to locate that. So my great warning to others is if you have created something, whether it be the MP3 of this podcast, for example, and I appreciate that you're going to send it to me, that's another example. You want to bring it over onto your own website, your own YouTube channels, whatever it is. Sue, when I see people that are 100% relying on Facebook instead of having their own website and their own unique domain name, it's scary to me because I can point back to that very example. You think Facebook's never going to go down, but you might be wrong. So that would be yeah, or it or all of I a think.
0: sudden they might, you know, all of a sudden they might want several thousand dollars for you to keep your business page and your list of contacts there. So yeah, I agree with you. You have to own, you know, you need to own your own list and you need to own your own intellectual property and have control over where that is housed. If it's housed elsewhere as well, that's fine, but you want to own it and have it on your own servers. So that you don't lose that. I mean, that's a shame to have lost that whole series. It just kind of makes me grit my teeth when I hear that story. I'm sorry that happened to you.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sorry it happened, but maybe it happened for a reason because hopefully I'm helping at least one person out there listening to this who's going, oh, maybe I better save my series or whatever they created. So maybe that's the good of it. And luckily I know that I could do something like that again if I had to. That's the thing about being a creative person. So you just go on.
0: Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, you you know, you have seen PR change in the past five years, I'm sure, because of, you know, how the Internet has changed and social media and other things as well. So I would love, I sometimes hear solo professionals with whom I work a lot say, you know, I really can't afford PR or I can't, I don't really even think I would benefit from what they view as kind of traditional PR, so could you speak a little bit to, if you are a solo professional and you have a client-based business, what are some of the things that a PR firm like yours can do for those people in today's market?
1: Well, really, it's about spreading the word, and I still think that a press release works. I still think that a well-written press release put in the right hands, and now I've noticed that means more and more uh, perhaps it's an Internet presence or perhaps it's a blogger that you're going to. It's not necessarily always the traditional media, although traditional media still has its value. But we helped spread the word. Um, just recently we were helping a client of mine who's a realtor in Buffalo, New York, and we ended up getting her position. She's a fabulous home stager, and we got her article on a home staging blog, um, and she's very happy with that. So it can, it can be a press release, but it can go and get uh, reach beyond maybe what you thought of your just traditional TV um, newspaper media. Um, I would say that public relations really helps you position yourself. I think that people listening can do it themselves a lot. If they're even a halfway decent writer, they can write something about themselves. If they're a halfway decent speaker, Our radio and TV stations are often looking for people to interview, and talk shows are a great source of uh, PR to get your brand out there. I'm regularly on a couple of different radio talk shows in our area, and you'd be amazed at the comments I get from people listening to those shows that hear them, that say they appreciate the tips about professional communications, about social media and things like that. So I think that if you just put some thought into it yourself, um, there are ways to, to build your brand and boost your brand. Now, as a company, we really help build the brands and image of professional business people, in, particularly in our community. For example, I'm working with a woman right now who's running for criminal court judge. I love doing political PR, particularly with someone like that who. She's a very seasoned attorney. She's been both a, a prosecutor and an a attorney in private practice for several years now, and it's fun, for me anyways, uh, to, to take her from the position of being an attorney, being a professional business person, and now having to be out in the public spotlight more and helping her, for example, with her Facebook business page. That would just be one example. She I kind of had to drag her kicking and screaming into Facebook because she had used it against people in court so much in the past. And I said, look, if you're going to run for office, you have to be on Facebook. And now, of course, she's seeing that Facebook today is really word-of-mouth marketing. It's it's the current right. version of word-of-mouth marketing. So I've just never seen any politician, uh, local anyways, page take off the way hers has just uh, in a very short space of time the shares she gets, the likes she gets, the comments she gets, the testimonials, the totally unsolicited testimonials that people give about how she's helped them in their lives uh, as an attorney. So those are just a few of the examples of things I do for clients. If it's a major story, there was a gentleman I worked with here who had, it was a politically related um, item that he wanted to get attention in Nashville and we went out on the state wire. We did pay for the uh, placement on a state wire, but oh my goodness, that story took off to all the way out to Seattle, Washington. It got placement. Um, of course, it really hit home where he wanted it to in the state of Tennessee, and he was thrilled with the results. He actually um, they, it helped in getting legislation overturned that he was working on. So, it's amazing the kind of things you could get into when you're in public relations. <laughs>
0: You know, and I, I think from listening to you, it's easy for me to understand that most people who go into business really do not have any kind of background or experience in PR. And they really don't even know the resources that are there that they could tap into. So somebody who is who is like you could really say, you know, we could take this piece and we could slice it and dice it these different ways. And, you know, there's ways that you can really get much further reach that people just don't know about because they just don't have your background and experience so i am glad to hear you say that because i do hear people say well i can put up my own facebook page and it yes you can but there are other things that you can do with your content that you don't even realize you don't even know what the distribution channels are and a pr firm like you you are expert at that you know what the distribution channels are so that in itself would be really valuable i think And, you know, I'm interested, too, about more and more I have been working with local service businesses. And, you know, many of them don't know much about Internet marketing, which is what my expertise is. But they also don't know much about how to build a presence for themselves in their local market. One of my very favorite quotes from the Ten Times Rule book by Grant Cardone is, you know, your, your problem with your business, you only really have one problem. It's not that you're not good at what you do. Your problem is obscurity, and you have to find a way to dig yourself out from being obscure if you're going to have a successful business. So um, I know that you in East Tennessee work with local businesses, and have you seen what they do in marketing change over the past years? Have you seen them go more to local events or to Internet marketing, or what would you have as tips like for a local business, as a brick-and-mortar local business?
1: I still absolutely believe in face-to-face marketing, and believe me, I'm a social media guru, as you know, and I think it's great. I love social media. It helps you build your brand out there and kind of establish continued name recognition. But there's such a transition now, too, with who you are online and who you are in person. That's why, again, I get back to the personal branding and the importance of it. I'll give you a quick example last night at a committee meeting for this attorney I was speaking of, another attorney was there. I had never met him in person before. He has a fabulous reputation and I knew he was. And he came up to me and said, I follow you on Twitter. And I looked at him and I said, oh, I know who you are. Yes, you're a runner. So see how we even got back to a personal thing that he and I had Mm -hmm. talked a little bit on Twitter about running. So we were transitioning from that virtual relationship that we'd had now to a real face-to-face and it worked very well. We kind of had that we already had that little leg up that we knew something about each other in, in a positive manner. But the point is that we were meeting face-to-face, and that's what I would emphasize, too. I still believe that the Chamber of Commerce, for me here in Johnson City, I can assure you, is huge. It's very important. I never miss a Chamber Breakfast. We have over 300 people that show up at 7 in the morning here, and it is a fantastic business networking opportunity. The other thing is, uh, as I worked with my strategic planner, and she listened to how I make business contacts. She said, do you realize it's so often people you know, you know in business that you're doing business with. And sometimes it takes someone hovering up at the outside at 10,000 feet up to tell you something like that. It doesn't just smack you in the face when you're in the middle of it. And she said, you really need to join Rotary. <laughs> she was in Rotary. Ah. And I said, you are absolutely right. <laughs> So um, (laughs) I had been in a civic club prior to being an entrepreneur, and then I'd gotten away from it. That's one thing you can do. As an entrepreneur, you think, oh, I'm going to save money on dues or whatever. Well, I was so glad to return to a civic club. I returned to Rotary then, or actually joined Rotary um, in uh, just the beginning of this year, and I'm so glad within, well, within, (laughs) this is a funny thing, the very first time they ended up not having a speaker and asked me to speak. So I immediately became a speaker in front of my peers, these business peers right Wow
0: then yeah, that's great.
1: then within, within two weeks, I had a concrete business lead and actually went up and met with one of the uh, gentlemen in the club companies. So and even though I didn't get that particular business, what a great opportunity. I had a chance to pitch, um, made, met some great new people. You never know where that could lead, right? So that's right. within just a, just a couple of weeks, By joining Rotary, I was able to um, make those great business connections. So I really think things like those face-to-face, civic clubs, chambers of commerce, um, I think that your professional organizations are important. I also regularly attend. I was a founding uh, member, in fact, of our public relations society here. Those types of things are very important because you have to know the latest and greatest of what's going on in your profession. Does that help you?
0: Yes, I think so, and I really want people to hear, especially if you are a local business and you do have a brick-and-mortar, you know, you're a storefront, you've got a big brick-and-mortar entity, then you really do have to get out, just like I teach people, you've got to get out from behind the computer if you're going to build a business. You've also got to get out from behind your your office or your reception desk or whatever and get out on the street and meet people who are also business people in your community. So I'm going to turn my attention to books for just a minute, Mel. We've mentioned a couple of books today. We've mentioned Gerber's The E-Myth Book, which I agree with you. It's a fabulous and a really good read for anyone who owns their own business. We've mentioned The Ten Times Rule by Grant Cardone, which is one of my favorite, favorite books because he takes such a no excuses, blunt approach to what it takes to really get a very successful Uh, business behind you but I also want to mention that you are writing a book and that you are willing to give the people who are listening to this a couple of the chapters of your book and uh, let them have a little preview and so I'm excited about that and I thank you for that I want to let them know how they can access that they can go to your website marketingmail.com forward slash PR tips. That's marketing mail, M E L, marketingmail.com forward slash PR tips. So um, when you hear this uh, podcast, if you would like to get some of those chapters from Mary Ellen and get benefit of her expertise, you're welcome to go there and uh, get that little free sample from her book. And I just really so much appreciate you doing that for the people who are listening to this, Mary Ellen. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, well, thank you, and I'm delighted to share it. Yes, I'm hard at work on my book called 88 Marketing Tips from a Marketing PR Pro, and I'm happy to share the first four tips from that book with people for free. I'll I'll provide it as a free download on my website.
0: That's so cool. I appreciate it. And I know people are going to take advantage of it. I'll be taking advantage of it myself. I want to thank you so much for your time today, Mel. It's a pleasure.
1: You know, we,
0: we talk via, we chat via Facebook now and then, but it's a real pleasure to have you, um, on this, on the phone line with me today and doing this interview. I really appreciate your willingness to share your expertise. And I think really that generosity in business goes a long way, and that's one of the reasons you have been in business five years. And I want to tell you happy birthday to Marketing Mail, and, and I'm so happy for you that you've met that magical five-year mark.
1: Thank you so much, Sue. I really appreciate you having me on your show.
0: Okay. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: The moderator has left the conference.